Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. Well, good morning, Lifehouse fam. How's everyone doing today? So good to see you. Thanks for being here. I want to just take a moment and welcome all of our first, second, and third time guests. Lifehouse fam, can we just make them feel welcome today if it is their first, second, or third time? Do not leave today if it is your first, second, or third time without getting your free gift from us. You can get that from the Next Steps booth right outside there. Just go out and say, I am a first-time guest. Fill out that card that you should have gotten walking in. You card. If you just fill that out, check and check that you are a first-time guest. We, we, we just want to say thank you for coming and being uh, a first, second, or third-time guest with us today. Also, too, this past Friday, we had about 45 people out at First Friday. And so if you have not been to a First Friday yet, we want to cordially invite you. Uh, our next one will be the First Friday, obviously, in December. And uh, look, it's pretty much a chilled, laid-back dinner party. We feed you dinner and tell you a little bit more about... Lifehouse, it's 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 a fun time. It's free, so all you've got to do for that is sign up on your U card, or you can sign up online too at theaterchurchnn.com. We would love for you to come and hang out with us there. Also, too, how many of you have the Bible app? You have the U version Bible app. A few, a few of you. Okay, awesome. Well, you can now follow us on on there. Um, if you actually, I think we've got a slide here, so you can actually go there. The Bible app, you can actually. Um, Take notes on there. So you can actually, is there something besides that? Is that it? That's it. Okay. So, so if you go on the Bible app, you can, there, there is a tab at the bottom. It says events. You, you, you can actually go there, and then you will see Lifehouse Newport News huh, series. And, and just go on there and click that, and that's an easy way for you to take notes for the sermon that you can actually take under the scripture verses that we put on 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 there about our sermon series. So that would be a great tool for you as as you are doing Bible study and stuff during the week. Everyone got it? Okay. Hey, we are uh, we are starting a brand new sermon series today called "Huh." Turn to someone and give them your best "Huh" face. Like you know that face when someone tells you something and you know they're full of it. When someone tell, tells you back, back in the day, and they start telling you all this stuff they could do, and you're just giving them that, yeah, okay, huh? You know how that feels, right? Whenever someone tell, tells you something, and it's extremely shocking, and you're just like, huh, what? This series, I truly, I truly believe a couple things about it. First off, you're going to be challenged, right? Because here, here's the thing, right? Like, you cannot grow in your walk with God unless you're challenged. You can't grow in anywhere of your life without being challenged. But do you know what? In this country, we love doing as least as we possibly can. Or we love to basically not be challenged, but, you know, but at the same time, we love growth. But you, you, you can't have one without the other. If you're going to grow in any area of your life, you need to actually welcome challenges because typically this growth doesn't happen when you're comfortable. Growth doesn't happen in comfort. 
Growth happens when you are challenged. So I think this series is really going to challenge you to see Jesus in a different way. Why? Because we need to see Jesus more clearly. So during this sermon series, I'm praying for you because you will be challenged. Got it? Everyone got their seatbelt on? All right. We're going to dive in. Thomas Jefferson. Actually, you know what? We're going to start somewhere else. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. Do not judge. These are all verses that we love about Jesus, that we love to quote. I always say, say this, a pothead's favorite scripture is do not judge. They don't know, they only know two, two Bible verses. First, God gave us every seed-bearing plant for our enjoyment. They go back to Genesis and they start quoting scripture. Well, the Bible says God gave us every seed-bearing plant for our enjoyment. And secondly, do not judge. That's every pothead's two favorite scriptures. They know those two verses inside and out. They're two favorite, right? But they love that verse about Jesus. Some other people do not judge. Love your enemies. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Like, this is stuff that we know Jesus said, and honestly, that we love and that we like to actually live by. But I think if we are completely honest, we almost like to compartmentalize things we like that Jesus said and things that we don't like that Jesus said. And we want to obey and follow the stuff that we like and kind of just block out the things that we don't maybe agree with or basically we say, we don't, I don't know if that's for us. But you can't compartmentalize a part of what Jesus said from the other things that Jesus said. You have to say, we need to welcome all that Jesus said and ask ourselves, are we living our life according to it? So here's the thing, right? Thomas Jefferson. We all know Thomas Jefferson, the third president, I think, of the United States. I failed history. Third president of the United States, the Declaration of Independence writer. Um, so he was a very scientific guy. And so Thomas Jefferson, he really liked Jesus, but he didn't agree with everything in the gospel. Since he was so scientific, he actually decided, you know what, I don't really agree or like everything that Jesus said. So I'm going to create my own Bible. So Thomas, so Thomas Jefferson actually took, took a knife and took his Bible and cut out the parts of the Gospels that he did not agree with. And since he was so scientific, he took out everything that was, sup that was, that was, that was supernatural. He took out the parts about Jesus rising from the grave. He took out the parts where Jesus healed people. He took out the spiritual warfare pieces. And so Thomas Jefferson essentially created his own version of the Gospels, and they are called, it's called the Jefferson Bible. Some of y'all are like, yo, he going to hell. <laughs> like, 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 this dude took the Bible and created his own Bible. Like, this dude is crazy. Like, this dude has got some goal. Like, this dude has some oomph to his life. That he will go and cut out the stuff that he does not 
like. And here's the thing, we can jock him and we can, we can get on him. We can say he's going to hell and we can say he's, he's this and he's that and, and we just don't agree. And, and the, the crazy thing is, is, is you can actually buy this Bible, Amazon. You can actually go on there, buy it. And, and trust me, a, a lot of scientific people do that because the thing is they like and they pick and choose what they like about Jesus and they compartmentalize what they like and what they don't like and they actually create their own version of Jesus. And what did he call it? The life and morals of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, let me tell you what I do respect about Thomas Jefferson is the fact that he wasn't shy about saying what he did like and what he didn't like. Because we will kind of hide it. And we'll almost subconsciously create our own Bible the Dwayne Goodrich Bible. Love you, Dwayne. I had to pick on you, though. The John Allen Bible. The Donna Harlow Bible. I'm just going around to just people that I know, so this is no talking up here. Shannon Guichard, Christina Buckingham, and Andrew Pabone. Like, yo, yo, like we'll, we'll actually subconsciously, Joshua Husack. Like, we'll actually subconsciously create our own Bibles. Even though we won't take something and cut it out, we will actually pick and choose areas and teachings of Jesus that we like and almost subconsciously block out the stuff that we don't like that makes us uncomfortable that we think, oh, well, you know, that's nice, but maybe Jesus didn't mean that. And so we'll actually create our, our own versions of the Bible. And I just think we have to be so careful that we don't take Jesus and fit him into the box that we want him to be in. And I think if we are completely honest, we like to take Jesus and fit him into the box that we have made and created for him because it's comfortable for us. When Jesus did not come and say what he said and teach what he taught and die the death he died to, for to fit in your box, he came to do so much more than that. And I think one of the dangerous things in our culture is seeing Jesus as some sort of like ornament to our lives, add-on to our lives. When Jesus never came to be an add-on, Jesus came to be the center. Can you already tell this series is going to be a little challenging? My prayer for you is some of this stuff that I say is going to hurt. It's going to confront you to the core of who you are. And my prayer is that, check it out, you wouldn't run from it, but you'd run towards it. And you would look into your heart, look into your mind, and look into your soul and say, Jesus, what do you want to do in me? Luke chapter 14, verses 25 we're going to start there. So we're going to look at some of the stuff that maybe wasn't taught in Sunday school that Jesus said. Luke 14, 25, we're going to start here today. Jesus goes on, goes on um, in Luke chapter 14. He says this, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, we're going to stop right there. You know, Jesus was incredibly good at drawing crowds. Because the thing is, with Jesus, they, like, he was so intriguing. 
people couldn't put him in their box. You had this guy who said he was God going around and healing people. And you had this guy eating with sinners and tax collectors. So this dude saying he was God, yet eating with sinners and tax collectors, like that's not something good, strict, religious, moral leaders did in that day. Those people are unclean. If you're holy, you don't eat with unclean people because basically eating with them is almost like you are accepting them. But then Jesus would teach authoritative stuff. He would say, you've heard it said, basically, and you've heard it said in the, you know, in the Old Testament law, you shouldn't do this. But now I tell you, he was saying, my teaching usurps, it's, in authori- it's authoritative over the Old Testament text. And they were like, who is this dude? But he was intriguing because he would heal people and help people. And they didn't know what box to put him in. He wasn't strict enough for all of the religious people. Yet, Jesus wasn't a full-out sinner like the other people. They couldn't fit him in a box. In this, here, here's the thing. I know you want Jesus to fit in your box. Jesus won't fit in your box. You've got to get him out. Because Jesus will challenge, challenge you. And that's what Jesus did. So Jesus was good at intriguing people and drawing crowds. And I think, honestly, the church is very good at drawing crowds also. But what we've got to be careful of, Jesus didn't come to call a crowd. Jesus was not interested in drawing a crowd. Jesus was interested in making disciples in making followers of Jesus. And I think we've got to be extremely careful in our church culture where it's easy for us to come and be a part of the crowd and just kind of come and sit in a seat on Sundays. Jesus has so much more for you than just to be a part of the crowd and for you to be intrigued by Jesus and for you to think he's, you know, he's kind of cool. And really, people followed Jesus back in the day. He had a big crowd because he helped people. I mean, there's this one in John chapter 6 where it says he fed the 5,000. Jesus, I mean, he took a few loaves, a few fish, and I mean, I'd be following him too. I don't know what this dude's saying, but he's giving seafood buffets. I'm going there. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know why he's saying it, but I know this much. If this dude's giving out seafood buffets, I'm following him. So Jesus was great at drawing crowds, but also Jesus had times where he would also have to give gut checks to say, Let, let's dig in a little bit and, and test and see why, why you're following me. Jesus here, Luke 14, 25, large crowds were traveling with him. And Jesus turning to them, he said, so just think, see this, you got Jesus walking, a bunch of people following him, and then, then he's like, hey, announcement. You need to say something super important. Everyone listen up. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and his kids, his brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Everyone say it with me. Huh? Give me your good stank huh face. Give me that good laugh. But yo, Jesus, like you said, hate my mama? I love my mama. What's she talking about? I love my mama. Why are you telling me to hate her? Like, why are you going to tell me right right now? Like, yo, we we just wanted a seafood buffet. 
And now you're telling me to hate my mama? What in the world's going on here? So, so here's the thing. This is, this, is where, this is where we gotta get in and teach, okay? Every, everyone here, is everybody listening? We're gonna teach you a little bit, okay? I'm going to teach you something about biblical inter- inter- interpretation, okay, where we could easily take, you know, and what people have done is take this verse out and say, see, Jesus says hate people. Jesus is all about hate. Well, the Bible says it. The Bible says it, and what people do is that is bad inter- interpretation. Why? Because you need context. A text, a biblical text with no context is a pretext for a proof text. There you go. Put that one in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> Basically saying this, a, te- a, a, a scriptural text that, does, that you don't put in context will, will push you towards taking that scripture, say whatever you want it to say, instead of what scripture's actually saying. People do this all the time. They take stuff out of the Bible, out of its context, to make it say what they want to say instead of saying something like, the Bible is a book, it needs to be interpreted. So we need to be very careful that we don't take stuff in Scripture and make it say what what we want it to say. We have to use proper biblical interpretation tactics and tools. One of them here, this is what Jesus is doing. Because it's like, okay, Jesus said hate your father, but didn't he say honor your mother? Isn't that one of the big ten? Like, that's on the top ten list. Like, honor your father and mother. And there was even Jesus gave his mom, before Jesus died, he made sure his mom was going to be taken care of. Like, Jesus didn't hate his mother, so what is Jesus doing here? This is something called hyperbole. This is a figure of speech. Hyperbole is from a Greek word meaning excess. It's a figure of speech that uses extreme exaggeration to make a point or show emphasis. It's the opposite of a what? Understatement. You do this all the time. I'm going to be here a thousand years because you're in waiting in line at Walmart and you got three people in front of you. <laughs> Never getting out this place. Hyperbole. I'm so hungry I could eat a cow. And your poor waitress is waiting to get the food from the kitchen and you're having to wait an extra four minutes. And your poor stomach, no, I'm so hungry. I can't, that's, that, that cost a gazillion dollars. No, because you spent all your money on a car you shouldn't be buying, so you ain't got no money to buy. So it's like, right? It's like we use hyperbole all the time to make a point. And what Jesus is actually saying here, he's not saying to hate your parents, hate your kids, and hate your wives, and hate them. What he's saying is, if you follow me every other commitment in your life becomes secondary to following Jesus. And do you know what? That's actually a blessing. One thing, man, that I tell couple or people that are single and want to date. Is anyone out there? Anyone raise your hand? You're single. Look around. Look at all the single people, y'all. We got an open, you know, praise the Lord. Let's, let's, let's start getting some people together here and having some weddings. Hallelujah. No, but what I tell single people is this. You want to find somebody that loves God more than they love you. You want to find somebody that loves God more than they love you. Why? Because the truth is this. If they love God, they'll love you. 
Because the thing that God will tell them to do is to love you well. You want to find someone that loves God more, like, like that you see them going, going after God. And you just kind of run up, run up against them. Hey, we both serving Jesus. How you doing? You know, it's like, like you want to find someone that's going after Jesus as hard as you are. Why? Because if they love Jesus, they'll love you. And what I think Jesus is saying to us here, when you follow him, every other commitment in your life becomes secondary. Not that you hate them, but there's going to be sometimes in your life, your commitment to Jesus might actually look like you hate people. Think about Muslim families, y'all. When someone in that faith turns from, turns from following Allah to following Jesus, do you know what that person does? They become dead in their family. They aren't just turning their back on the faith. They're turning their back on their families. They're basically telling them, I'm going to turn from your God and serve this God. I'm going to turn from serving your family's God to serving this God. And doing that in and of itself will pretty much seem to that family, they hate us. They hate us. When it's not the fact he does, the, the person turning to Christ doesn't hate them, but the person turning to Christ realizes that he now becomes my first commitment. Do you see this? There will be times when you serve, when you make a full commitment to Christ, where it's going to cost you something. I said this in first service. And second service, I want to say it one more time. I believe the church really needs to uh, apologize. Our church, me as a pastor, for if I have ever made it seem like following Jesus won't cost you something. I need to say I'm sorry if we have ever presented Jesus as being something that won't cost you something. Because honestly, I think it's so easy in church for us to kind of present Jesus as, as being this, oh, if you follow him, your life's just gonna get so much better. <laughs> he's gonna come and all of your problems are gonna disappear. He's gonna come and he's gonna solve every one of your issues. He's gonna see that you're a snowflake. There's no one like you. And he's gonna lift you up out of your badness. And he's gonna make you a good little person. And you're just, you're, your life is just going to blossom like a flower. And we kind of, of, of just make Jesus out to be this almost like good luck charm. Just add Jesus to your life and your life will just get better. I want to apologize if we have presented Jesus like that. Because honestly, sometimes following Christ in some ways won't make your life better. In some ways, it might actually make your life worse. But at the same time, we've got to really see what does better mean. You know, it's, it's like I think many times we can get in this whole mentality of what, what is Jesus going to, you know, if I follow Jesus, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What do I get from this? If I follow Jesus, okay, he died on a cross for my sin, whatever, yeah, okay. Following Jesus now, what am I going to get out of it? The bottom line is this, y'all. The greatest thing that you could ever get out of following Jesus is becoming more like Jesus. 
the greatest benefit of following Christ is you becoming more like God. Jesus came down and Jesus said, I am God. The way Jesus acts, speaks, lives, he is God in the form. He's, he, he put a face to the unseen God. And now the thing is, as we follow him and follow in his ways, what happens to us is we now become more like Jesus as we follow him. So then what? We become more like our creator. We become more of who we were originally called to be. Now, I know when I first started following Christ, you know, I kind of had this whole thing of what's, what's in it for me? And, and I was kind of like, okay, you know, now that I'm a Christian and I'm following Jesus now, it's like, man, I got to give up, like, I got to give up having sex with whoever I want. Well, that sucks. It's like, great, now I got to, like, care for people. It's like now I've got to like care about what I do with my money. Like God actually cares about that. I got to care about relationships. Like I can't just like do whatever I want to do whenever I want to. It's because it's, it's really what it seems like is God's just taking all the fun from me. Have you ever felt that way? God's taking all the fun, all the stuff that I love doing. He's taking it from me. Now what? What's, what's going to happen? Really, C.S. Lewis, he has a great mindset on, on this. He says this. He says, it would seem our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I believe that that is so true. We can think, man, all of these things that Jesus says I can't do and Jesus says that I shouldn't do, it's such a struggle. You know, it's, it's when, when really in reality, It's not even a fair trade what Jesus offers us. The, the thing is, as we give up us, we get him. He said this, whoever would follow me must, must pick up their cross and follow me. Basically saying this, as you die to yourself, you gain more of God. As you put yourself in your desire and, and kind of say as, as, you, as you pour yourself out, you can be filled in with God. It's not even a fair trade. Our desires aren't too strong. Our desires are actually way too weak. Why? Because we, we want something that won't satisfy us. We want something that will only be short-term satisfaction. When Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. Is everyone okay? Jesus goes on here. He can, continues on right after he says, unless you actually hate your father, mother, you can't be my disciples. What he goes into here, he kind of tells a couple parable stories. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone will see it and sees it will 
ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against some other king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. I think Jesus really wanted, Jesus at times explicitly gave really deep gut checks because Jesus wanted to be sure that people knew what they were committing to. Jesus wanted to be 100% sure because Jesus was not interested in being an add-on in people's lives. Jesus said, I did not come to be an add-on to your life that you can just, I'm a good luck charm. He said, I came to be the center of your existence, the center of your being. And Jesus, at times, he had crowds following him, but he would turn to, like Jesus was the worst church growth expert. Like Jesus had an... (laughs) insane crowds and then he would tell them things to challenge them that would almost cut those who were following him almost down to nothing why because he wanted to make sure those people knew what they were doing and that's what i think this series is for us i don't want you going somewhere i don't want you leaving oh well, you know what i can't commit to jesus like that i'm not welcome here no we respect your journey at this church we respect your journey wherever you are at on your faith journey ultimately we want you to go all in with Jesus but at the same time we know that can be steps that can that can be a process and we respect the process the Holy Spirit's work in your life you're welcome here we love you we're going to we're going to respect that but at the same time our desire is to challenge you and to sometimes have things like this where we say this is what following Jesus looks like. This is what Jesus requires. This is, this is what Jesus wants. Why? Because when you give away more of yourself, you get more of him. It's not even a fair trade. It's like getting LeBron James for like a, the 10th guy on your daggone roster. Like it, it's not even close. My biggest fear for you and for our church, one of them, that I pray about daily one of, one of my biggest fears is that Jesus would be intriguing to us and we would be a fan, but we would not be a follower. That Jesus would be somebody intriguing to us, but he wouldn't be someone that we follow. I want to give you three questions really quick that I think really give you a good diagnostic test of where you're at in the whole fan follower thing. Number one, do you view Jesus as just, and, and, and I've said this a couple times before, do you view this as, an, as Jesus as an add-on to your life or the center of it? Because what we can easily do in this country is we can say, I've got my life and Jesus is just a part of my life. So, every, so like Jesus is one of the many things that revolve around us. We got us as the center and then you've got our, our spiritual life, right? You got, oh yeah, when I go to church, if and when, I read the Bible. You've kind of got your spiritual life, and it's compartmentalized from, from, from your life. And then you've got your physical life, your emotional life. You've got work. You've got kids. You've got husband, wife, whatever. And Jesus is just an add-on to your life. In this country, it's so easy for that to happen. But you've got to say, as a follower of Jesus, Jesus is not something that you add on. Jesus becomes the center and every other thing in your life revolves around him. 
where now you just don't have a spiritual life. Following Jesus is your life. And following Jesus in, helps you interpret and see every area of life through a whole new lens. It helps you to see things as they, as they really, really are. I saw this one video. I should have showed it to you. This like 65-year-old guy, and, and you've probably seen these whole things, people that were colorblind, but they get glasses that help them see color for the first time. There was this big 65-year-old man, burly guy. You could tell he was a construction worker, drank beer. <laughs> I mean, big dude, you probably tell he never cried in his whole life. Was colorblind as all get out. His family got him these color glasses. He puts it on. Dude breaks down onto his knees. Why? Because he's seeing life the way that it was originally meant to be lived. He was living. He was lower level living. But when he put the right specs on, whenever he put the right perspective on, he put the right lenses on, he was able to see life the way that it was originally meant to be seen. And that's what I think Jesus does for us. He becomes the optic and lens that we now see everybody, everything, even ourselves, the whole world through that helps us see it for what it really, really is. Jesus was not meant to be someone that you add on to your life. He was meant to be the center. And he will only be happy until he is the center. Why? Because he wants to give you life. He wants to give you joy. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you peace. Jesus wants to help you become everything that you were created and called to be. Secondly, does the way of Jesus ever confront or challenge the way you live your life? Essentially, does Jesus ever tell you no? Because I think it's really, really easy for us in this culture to kind of conform Jesus to the way we want him to to be and just in the way our culture is tolerant we think jesus is the same way and we just think jesus is some yeah just just do whatever you want i'm here for you and jesus is is there for you but jesus loves you enough at times to confront you to convict you and challenge you and if there are not times in your life where you feel convicted about sin I want to challenge, I want to challenge you. Pray for conviction. Conviction and, and condemnation are different. Conviction of the Holy Spirit, conviction from, is, is a good thing. You want that. Why? Because it guides you along the right path. Condemnation is not from God. Con condemnation is what the devil does. You're terrible. You're horrible. You're, God would never love you because you, you did that. That is not God. But Here's the thing. I believe you are a fan of Jesus if he never says no to you. He's only a fan to you if he never actually affects the practical way you live your life. If there are not outward, physical representations and changes of your love and lordship of Jesus in your life, you are intrigued by him and you are a fan. I don't believe you are a follower. And those are hard words spoken in love. Because do you know what? I, I know this. I've got this ring on my, on, on my finger. And there have been outward changes that I've had to do for my wife. There are things that because of my love restrain me. I'm not going to go macking on some girl. I'm not going to 
huh? They're right. It's like, um, it's like that love, love also restrains. It pushes forward, no doubt. But at the same time, love also restrains. And I think fans of Jesus, it only pushes, well, Jesus would never be mad at me. He loves me. Jesus would never, he loves me. Love isn't just something that pushes you forward. Love is something that restrains. Does Jesus affect the way you think about people, affect the way you think about yourself, expect, uh, affect the way you spend money, affect the way you see and live with your family, affect the way you treat people? Has Jesus really impacted the way that you live? Third, thirdly, has the way of Jesus ever offended you? What do I mean by that? Referencing back to John 6, verse 60, whenever Jesus, he, he fed the 5,000. And man, it was, it was a great time. It was powerful. He took a couple loaves, a couple fish, and man, just did his thing, did what Jesus does, right? He worked a miracle when there was no way Jesus made one. But at the same time, right after that, Jesus goes into this whole teaching about how I didn't just come to feed your belly. I did not just come to cure a physical hunger in you. I came to cure and feed an eternal hunger in your soul. So Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread that you need to eat. I know you just ate physical bread. I know I just presented to you physical bread, but I need to basically say this. This physical bread that you just had will only fill you for a short time. Me, I, I, I will be spiritual and I will be eternal bread that will then fill your souls for eternity. And people are like, okay, that's a good teaching. I, I can deal with that. But then he went into, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have no part with me. Huh? Jesus being like, yo, everybody, you need to be a cannibal. And eat me. Eat me. This guy's crazy. So this, and, and obviously what and Jesus, he was doing what? We talked about it earlier. Hyperbole. He wasn't literally saying, chop my arm off and eat it. He wasn't saying, be some sort of spiritual vampire and suck the blood out of my neck. He wasn't saying that. He was, he was saying, I'm giving myself to feed your soul. And if you make me the center, I will give you real, true, everlasting life. So John 6, 660, many of them said, uh, many of his disciples, his followers said, yo, Jesus, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Who can accept it? 61, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? I believe you're going to have so many times in your walk with God where a teaching of Jesus, something that you do not uh, agree with, will offend you. And the question will be, does this offend you? And really, I believe... How you answer this question really depends on if you're a fan or if you are a follower. Because we, we have a proclivity to follow Jesus up until it's uncomfortable. 
We have a proclivity to follow Jesus up until it cost us something. We have a proclivity to follow Jesus up until it requires something of us. Maybe it, you know what? Maybe it requires faith. Like it took faith in John 6, 68. What we see here, Simon, Simon Peter, I'm sure he didn't fully understand everything, but Simon Peter said this after a brief conversation. He says this, Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Was basically saying, look, I know I don't fully completely get exactly why, you're, why you said that or why you did that, but at the same time, I believe you are who you say you are, that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and I believe where else are we gonna go? You got the words of eternal life. And I believe there's gonna be times in our walks with God where we're gonna have to not fully, under, you know, not fully understand everything, but sometimes walk in faith and say that exact same thing. Lord, to whom shall we go? But I know this much. I might not fully understand everything, but I believe you have the words, you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And you're gonna to have to follow in faith even when you don't understand. But a true follower doesn't just follow when it's easy, when everything's understood. There's gonna be times where you're gonna have to follow Jesus into some tough teachings and into some tough areas. I guess what I'm trying to say through all of this hate your mother stuff, hyperbole stuff, challenging you on what it means to be a fan and follower, is this concept of going all in with Jesus. You know, what I say and kind of how I explain what does it mean to truly follow Jesus, what I mean by that is when you think in terms of poker, and I talked about this a couple weeks back, when you think in terms of poker, there's a term all in, which is pretty much saying I've got these chips and I've got a good enough hand where I'm going to bet all I've got on this hand that I've been dealt And so I'm gonna take all of those chips that I've got and I'm gonna push them to the center and I'm going to say, I'm betting all that I've got on this hand that I have been given. And what I think following, what following Jesus and going all in with him actually, it looks like for us, looks a lot like that. And really think, I think the chips that we have could be an area of our lives. It could be our physical life, our finances, our sexuality, our relationships, our emotional life, our psychological life, our sexual life. Like if we we take all of these different chips and what we essentially say is Jesus, I am going all in. All of those areas of my life, I'm not gonna compartmentalize, I'm not gonna take one chip and kind of just like hold it back for myself. I'm going all in in with you Jesus and I need you to help me see things through your viewpoint whenever Jesus came Jesus said this repent you know what that word means it means more than just feel sorry for your sins that word actually means in the Greek to rethink Jesus came and Jesus basically said rethink everything I know what you've heard about how you should handle this, how you should handle that. Now, I'm, now I come and I'm going to tell you a way of life that's going to make you rethink yourself, the world, God, and others. But that starts with us going all in.
We've got poker chips here. And when I was thinking of kind of the proper way to kind of like end this message, my challenge wanted to be, I want to challenge you to go all in. And the thing with that is I, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter how long you have been saved for, like this applies to you. I don't care how long you have been following Jesus because I think we're completely honest. Many of us have been serving God a long time, but there's still a few chips that we've held back. And say, Jesus, you don't have part of that me. Or like, you don't, you don't have that part. You know, that part. Maybe you've never, made, uh, you've never made a decision to follow Christ. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Christ. So possibly today your commitment is, I, I want to follow God. To, like, I want to go all in with Jesus to, today. You might not even partly know what that fully means. But at the same time, you have a church family here to help you and walk alongside you and help you to show you what going all in for Jesus means. But at the same time, look, right over here, we got two, two buckets here full of poker chips. We had so many people grab them in first service, we had to go make sure that we had enough for our second service. But the challenge is this, the response today is this. I'm not asking you to go all in on a church. I'm not asking you to go all in with us as a church. I want you to examine your life and see where you are at today. And I want you to say, look, if you make a commitment and a decision today, no matter how long you've been saved, no matter where you're at in your faith, you want to go all in with Jesus today. We've got, we, we want to give you a poker chip. Why? Sometimes you need a symbol to help you remember the commitment that you've made. That's what this whole ring is. You know what this does for me daily? I stood before God and man and committed my life to her that I would love her and cherish her whether in health or whether in sickness for the rest of my life. That helps me and speaks to me to say, in spite of what I feel, I'm called to love and serve her. In spite of whether things are good or bad, I committed to her. And what I pray the, the, this is for you, that you would take this, put this in a place where someplace it reminds you every single day that you are not a fan of Jesus, that you are not intrigued by Jesus, but that you are a follower of Jesus. And that he is your number one commitment. Not that you hate others, but he is your number one commitment. Thing is, look, we're going to play a song here. Jesus at the center. They're just, they're going to play softly and sing softly. And at any point during, during this song, you, you say, I'm ready to go all in. I want to go all in. This doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. But what this says is, is, is that you are drawing a line in the sand. It's saying, I don't want to compartmentalize Jesus and only obey a few things that I like. I want to open my life to all of him, all of who Jesus is, and say, Jesus, do what you want to do. Under construction, shape me, mold me, help me rethink everything in my life. Because as I empty myself of me, I get more of you. What a trade. So look, we're going to sing here. We're just going to have, have them play. And whenever you're ready, and here's the thing, I don't want you coming down here unless you're, you're serious. And we won't judge you. There ain't no judgment here, yo. We ain't trying. But our goal is to get you to go all the way because we know, we know the trade. As you give up yourself, God gives you more of him. It's so lopsided, y'all. But at the same time, we ain't going to judge you because we love you. And, but that doesn't mean the, the, we're not going to challenge you. 
But whenever you're ready, I don't care where you're at in your faith journey, if you want to make a commitment today, a, a recommitment today to go all in with Jesus, I want you to come up here and grab one of, one of, one of these poker chips. And I want you to put it somewhere in your life that speaks to you and challenges you every, each and every day. That all of you is committed to him. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kill Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.